I get it going. Thanks, Tim. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> um, my name is Jim, and uh, we're uh, broadcasting live today from Littleton, Colorado. It's a nice, kind of wonderful, snowy day, late spring snow, and uh, <clears throat> we hope. Uh, but uh, I just uh, wanted to uh, to uh, say hello, introduce myself for those that don't know you, and uh, um, I'd like to, uh, I'd actually like to start with the meditation, which is today's reading. Today's, today's lesson, my only function, lesson 65, my only function is the one God gave me. <clears throat> so, um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read the first three paragraphs of that lesson. Um, <clears throat> and then we'll get quiet for a little bit. Lesson 65, my only function is the one God gave me. The idea for today reaffirms your commitment to salvation. It also reminds you, reminds you that you have no function other than that. Both these thoughts are obviously necessary for a total commitment. Salvation cannot be the only purpose you hold while you still cherish others. The full acceptance of salvation as your only function necessarily enta entails two phases. Number one, the recognition of salvation as your function. And two, <clears throat> the relinquishment of all the other goals you have invented for yourself. This is the only way in which you can take your rightful place among the saviors of the world. This is the only way in which you can say and mean, my only function is the one God gave me. This is the only way in which you can find peace of mind. Today, and for a number of days to follow, set aside 10 to 15 minutes for a more sustained practice period in which you try to understand and accept what the idea for today really means. Today's idea offers you escape from all your perceived difficulties. It places, it places the key to the door of peace, which you have closed upon yourself in your own hands. <clears throat> it gives you the answer to all the searching you have done since time began. And we just take a couple of minutes and just be with that, please.
Now, if you would gently come back. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> I had kind of an experience as much as I tried to resist it, uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> particularly the last couple of days of um, not being at peace as I was preparing the lesson. And, you know, of course, I had a little, uh, <clears throat> I had a little, I, what I considered a, a bargain with the Holy Spirit is if, you know, if I prepare the lesson, won't you give me a little break, right? But of course, that did not happen. <clears throat> so um, it, 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 it was a perfect example of having to go through the experience, like not step around it. And I really, really wanted to step around it and just get my presentation done today, you know, get it in order and get it written, get it, get it organized and get it done. And of course, uh, <laughs> it, it did not happen that way, which was, which was absolutely perfect. But in the process of going through that, that just, just kind of a sort of like an undercurrent, it wasn't like there was really anything really ugly going on in life, but you know, we kind of learned that, you know, this, the slightest irritation is just a veil over intense fury or rage or murder. So little things are big, you know, little things are everything in the course, as we know, do, you know, this is, this is a, a um, uh, the thought system is not duality. We are, we are committed and we are, and we are, you know, um, focused and that's, that's what the result was. So in, in the process of going through this, I, I was, I got the chance to actually visit a couple of techniques and methods of the course along the way. And, uh, w one of them, you know, at first I, I kind of identified five like boilerplate issues that are just kind of always there under the surface. And, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I, uh, you know, it could be anything, could be the Ukraine, could be, you know, friends relate, you know, it, it was just those kind of things that are always cycling there. And so it was, it was there. And then uh, I realized that lesson five tells me I'm, I'm never upset for the reason I think. So no matter how much I would try to cognitively work through that, it, it would not be, it would not be the answer I was looking for. So uh, it was uh, the, uh, the, the next step that I, uh, that I actually took was to actually uh, the rules for decision, which are act actually in chapter 30 in the book, if, if you want to look at that um, later. But uh, the rules for decision, um, School for a Course in Miracles had actually paraphrased those rules into some ones that were really helpful for me to look at and actually use. And obviously, you know, the, the first rule of, you know, the first rule is, you know, you, you know, decided to decide nothing, you know, decide only to not decide for, for yourself, right? And to not make any decision for yourself. Having thrown that one out the window, I had to go to, to the later ones. So um, in the, in the process, I had uh, uh, the, uh, the school's version, which is uh, three, and step three is when I get crazy again, 
I have no question. I forgot to decide for the Holy Spirit is my guide in my perception. So that was really helpful. It's like, I, I, I don't know where this dissonance is coming from, but I'm not peaceful. I'm clearly not. And, and, and what can I do? So I was able to, I was able to visit that and go back to that. And then that actually brought me to today's lesson, which was what kind of finally cinched it up for me um, through, through the lesson. It, 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 it has a little exercise where you're supposed to dismiss each thought as it comes to your mind. And it just sort of, it took enough of the edge off the whole thing for me to finally just, just to relax and to be, to be with that going through that exercise it was like, Oh, you know, just, just, you could dismiss that thought. You really could. And so I was very, I was very grateful for that experience and to be actually to go through that. Um, this morning. Um, anybody have anything, anything for anybody specifically like that or anything? Yes, Vicki. Hi, Jim. Um, Hi. What you just re, uh, relayed reminds me of um, Byron Katie. Um, and and you, you have this thought. And then the next question is, how would you feel without that thought? Like to dismiss it, um, asking that question. And I, I just think that related a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, I've never studied her, but I, I do know that, that I've heard that thought several times and yeah. Anybody else? Okay, so <clears throat> just a, a short, preview before we get to the sections we're working on in chapter two and uh, Myra did a great job last week with just setting that all up and showing well, how was it that it was the detour into fear I really like that you know so <clears throat> this this is where we got this is where we got railed and of course chapter two the section we're on is all about the separation and the atonement and you know I think I think the uh Chapter one actually starts out with the, the meaning of miracles, which is probably a good thing to just sort of give us all kind of a lighthearted introduction, like there's hope, you know, and and so I think I think Jesus specifically probably obviously designed it that way. But uh, um, the chapter two starts out with the origins of separation. And of course, we know we you know from our practice, you know that that uh, there's really only one problem, and there's also one solution. Um, and and that that's exactly how it occurs. And uh, so uh, the uh, if we if we can allow ourselves to focus and be on that thought, one problem, one solution. Um, it's, it's a little more, uh, it, it's definitely doable. It's definitely doable at that, you know. Um, section two goes into the atonement as defense. Um, and the one, the one line I picked out of that, which is paragraph three, section sentence four, is everyone defends his treasure and will do so automatically. So we, 
we'll, we'll defend what's near and dear to us at that moment. And that's, that's just, it's just, it's an automatic reflex that we, that we will defend it automatically. Um, <clears throat> we'll get into chapter two, uh, chapter two, and we're into the, uh, the altar of God. And so, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of hesitated getting into this because it seemed like it was at first it was really heady and intellectual, but I'm not really sure, you know, like most stuff in the course can be broken down to, to really uh, sizable chunks. And uh, when, when I first heard the altar of God, uh, I, I was hesitant. Um, and paragraph one, section two, sentence two, since the separation, and I have in quotes seeming, Defenses have been used almost entirely to defend against the to defend against the atonement, and thus maintain the separation. So, that's that's what we're doing, you know, uh, all the time. And uh, this is generally seen in sentence three. If you jump down to sentence three, this is generally seen as a need to protect the body. So. It's the defense to keep our system, ego system, clearly intact. And uh, this, this, it usually goes back to the body as, as the means to do that. That's very effective for the ego. So, uh, and, um, and I apologize. So we're, everybody knows we're in chapter two, section three in, in the, in the work, in the uh, text. Is it yeah, was it okay? Just wanted to make sure everybody had that. So um, sentence six, it does not recognize that atonement in any physical terms is impossible. So any, any physical think, you know, with, with our reactions and defenses with body, you know, anything that we think is gonna be solve it that way is clearly not going to. So um, <clears throat> that's uh, the atonement in physical terms is impossible. Um, and then jump down to sex, uh, sentence seven on paragraph one, please. The next step, however, is to realize that a temple is not a structure at all. Its true holiness lies at the inner altar around which the structure is built. And when, when I, I think I, I came down to an accurate, you know, uh, rendering of what inner altar really means, and I, I think it means the mind. Uh, so uh, the, with, that, with that understanding, the inner altar being the mind, uh, we, can, we can, obviously, we can use the decision maker to, to uh, choose again. And then sentence three in paragraph two, both the separation and the fear are miscreations that must be undone for the restoration of the temple, the mind, and for the opening of the altar to receive atonement. So separation of fear both miscreations of the mind 
and alike in the same sense as, as far as we, we have to deal with them. We have to deal with them first to get through. So um, any questions? Anybody have anything, observations? Anything come up? Bruce? Yeah, a few moments ago, you used the word, word boilerplate. And I was, I, I quickly looked that up and I was thinking, well, that's, that's sort of like an automatic response, you know, you, something you copy and paste that you can use everywhere. And I was thinking in the, in the dictionary definition, it said, this is generally, you know, kind of frowned upon because it's unoriginal uh, and wrote, but I was thinking, well, that's, you know, the course really has a lot of boilerplate in the sense that it just works so you can use it over and over again. And it really is something that we could actually hold in high regard rather than, than look down on. But of course, our egos are going to look down on anything that, that we didn't make up, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so, so we didn't, we, we didn't make up God, God, God created us. So, so, um, you know, that's the authority problem once again. So anyway, I just kind of was musing on that anyway. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's that's exactly exactly what it is. You know, it's just uh, we rubber stamp out things, and as a happy learner, you know, we can be glad we're wrong. And Orise, thank you, um, Jim. I when I picked this up, this and first read about the altar of God. Uh, whoever was giving the class at the time. It may have even been Ken, but the word altar I have written above that A-L-T-E-R, you know, it's the whole idea that we go into the, into wherever our mind and we alter. Either we make it from the ego's perspective or we uh, alter it into the Holy Spirit. So that, and another thing I was going to say is, <laughs> it's, you know, we all have been making this journey together. Uh, these these people on the screen together um, for for quite a while, and I'm sure we're all each experiencing in our own way. It seems to me a great um, acceleration <laughs> mm -hmm. of uh, of of the direction we're going. And when I speak to other people on this on this forum uh, outside of class or even here, it, it's like for myself too yes having and what you said yesterday great i mean our what's happening seemingly happening to me in the worldly level level is being very exaggerated you know if it's body issues and for me it's a it is body it's body in a house and thinking about um uh trying to move or whatever it is and just being yesterday we looked at a another condo and um uh, I, I was really grateful for somehow, <laughs> you know, because I was putting it under the Holy Spirit's direction, being able to navigate with a sense of peace above the battleground, mm. you know, looking, and you know what it's like to try to move. It's it's one of the most <laughs> upsetting things you can try to do. But um, I feel I feel the presence of Holy Spirit even though my body is and ego are uh, 
banging, you know, really demanding a lot of, of attention. It's um, it's it's a tribute to the course, to Jesus, and to being able to make, like it says, you know, either you choose one way or the other in the rules for decision. And uh, having made that choice more frequently, it it it's uh, enabled me to find that peace surpassing understanding while being in the middle of the battlefield. <laughs> so um, thank you. I just wanted to say that that altar, I went to the altar within and it altered things. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was interesting because the first time I looked it up in, in the concordance, the, the ACIM concordance, it, it, it came up as the verb, right? I'm like, I, I didn't want that, you know? I didn't realize that there was another spelling, so. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, Christina. Yeah, hi. I'm, I'm just jumping back onto what Bruce said and um, what you said about the boilerplate, because in grant writing, we have these, you know, when you're fun prospecting, you, you figure out these, what we call boilerplates, and they're statements of truth that and we have discovered and gone over them. They know to be true. We don't have to revisit this again. We absolutely just copy and paste it in. And I love that because applied to here, it just collapses time. We don't have to think about some of these things anymore because we have figured them out. We don't need to revisit them. So we go from here forward on. And uh, so thank you. I've you know just, just thought about it in that way as well. And, it's so it's helpful. It really is very helpful. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, there, there's a distinct process that, you know, if we do it just this way, you know, we will see forgiveness, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> in, um, in Ken's glossary, um, he has it, uh, the altar defined as what Jim was saying earlier. It's a, uh, it's the part of the mind that chooses the decision maker, our decision maker. And um, I was thinking about this in terms of war in general, and certainly the war in Ukraine, dictators, etc. So, I mean, what's going on at the, at this seeming altar in the mind, this place of the decision maker, if if it's if it's turned towards the ego, he says it that altar drips with blood. It's at war with itself. Um, and, and the real dictator is, is, is the ego we make up, we prop up this, uh, dictator in our mind that becomes A-L-T-E-R to God, the alternative to God. So, and then everything out here, whatever's going on, whether it seems like it's warring or it's peaceful is simply a reflection of that inner altar is it dedicated to the wrong mind or is it dedicated to uh, the right mind is it dedicated to uh the ego as the dictator <laughs> with all of its propaganda and and its entire war machine chapter 23 it's the war against ourselves literally that's where the war is it's got nothing to do with anything external and like desjardins desjardins in uh, world war one I, I was thinking about that too that you know, he was able to stand in the in the trench trenches of World War One and see beyond it, have this mystical experience because he was right-minded, <laughs> and 
and it, even even World War One became a reflection of that. <clears throat> so, I mean, whatever's going on in form is simply a reflection of one of those two cho inner choices. Which way am I pointing my altar? <laughs> am I pointing it to the ego as a dictator or the Holy Spirit as, as kind of like the ultimate freedom fighter? <laughs> the Zelensky of all Zelenskys <laughs> is the Holy Spirit. Dripping yeah. with blood. Yeah, the dripping with blood. That's, yeah. <laughs> That'd get our attention. Thank you. Anybody else have anything? Okay. So the altar, which is a decision maker, as Tim pointed out, um, if we jump down to paragraph two, we can uh, uh, as soon as I get my place. Paragraph two, yeah. It talks about um, sentence five. If you go to sentence five, um, both, or excuse me, starting with three, both the separation and the fear are miscreations, of course, we stated that, that must be undone for the restoration of the temple. So we cannot, we cannot be in fear and still advance. Uh, and for the opening of the altar to receive the atonement. This heals the separation by placing within you the one effective defense against all separation thoughts and making you perfectly invulnerable. So that's a great, certainly holds out a lot of promise for sure, perfectly invulnerable. And then, uh, Jumping down to paragraph three, sentence five. Um, just tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limits. And we've heard that a lot, you know, which is great, great news. Uh, eventually, everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. The, the famous tenet of the course where you know, Bill and Helen, there must be a better way. Um, <clears throat> paragraph four talks about spiritual vision. Um, and spiritual vision cannot, literally cannot see error. It merely looks for atonement. Cannot see error. All solutions the physical eye seeks dissolve spiritual vision looks within and recognizes immediately that the altar has been defiled and needs to be repaired and protected perfectly aware of the right defense it passes over all others looking past error to truth thought that was kind of an interesting kind of a explanation of the mechanics of you know like how how it might work, you know, how that might work. So because of the strength of its vision, it brings the mind into service, into its service. This reestablishes the power of the mind and makes it increasingly unable to tolerate delay. 
realizing that it only adds unnecessary pain. And if we jump down to paragraph five, the children of God are entitled to perfect, the perfect comfort that comes from perfect trust. Perfect comfort, perfect trust. And uh, I think of that, you know, that, that, that section is in the, uh, the, the teacher's manual that talks about trust, you know, that particularly, you know, it's like in building your, in, in how you, you build trust and then, you know, you have, you have an experience that makes you upset and then you, you trust again and that kind of, uh, it's sort of back and forward, but, but the general thing is, is that you learn to trust as, as you trust, as you turn it over to the Holy Spirit and say, help, trust becomes more and more available. Um, sentence three, paragraph five, but the real means are already provided and do not involve any effort, any effort at all on their part. The atonement is the only gift that is worthy of being offered at the altar of God because of the value of the altar itself. It was created perfect and is entirely worthy of receiving perfection. God and his creations are completely dependent on each other. <clears throat> he depends on them because he created them perfect. He gave them his peace so that he could not be shaken and could not be deceived. Whenever you are afraid, you are deceived and your mind cannot serve the Holy Spirit. This starves you by denying you your daily bread. God is lonely without his sons and they are lonely without him. They must learn to look upon the world as a means of healing the separation. The atonement is the guarantee that will ultimately succeed. So looking on the world as a means of healing the separation <clears throat> is a whole different uh, perspective. And whenever you are afraid, you are deceived. So we can be sure. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa. Uh, you know, Jim, with everything going on in Ukraine, um, when this started a week ago, you know, I heard one of the newscasters say that uh, Putin had um, uh, an arsenal, uh, nuclear arsenal that could take out Washington, D.C. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, and watching this all week, you know, I realized that that has really raised the fear. The fear is heightened within myself. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going out and I'm buying my AR-15 with four clips of 30 rounds each in each magazine because I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I know how crazy that sounds, you know, and uh, and then, of course, you know, then I come come back into my mind and I realize, wow, 
look at that ego. Look at my ego just picking up the ball and running with it. And, uh, um, you know, and how crazy it is. Um, so at that point, I was really, my decision maker was really able to uh, get a better perspective. Uh, but what I realized is that, you know, I am terribly afraid of dying. This body that I, I think I'm in, uh, that I see in the mirror every day, uh, I'm, I'm afraid of losing that. Uh, and I think that's what this war in Ukraine has kind of ignited that realization within myself that, um, I, you know, I'm afraid. I don't want a nuclear bomb to fall. And when you see all these millions of people who are displaced from their home and, and being killed, you know, you realize uh, this body that we hold so dearly, um, and intellectually, I understand this course, but, you know, I think what's going on in Ukraine has really uh, opened the door to, to make me realize that I am very fearful of losing this body. Uh, no matter how many years I study this course, that uh, that is just the underlying condition. Uh, you know, I'd rather die of a lingering <laughs> cancerous death than... Um, have to die in a war, uh, you know, but it's still the same fear that that originates. Um, you know, so that's part of working through this process uh, and reading this these these sections has really uh, helped me in uh, realizing that I don't have to be fearful, you know, that I can just continue to, uh, ask Jesus to show me how to smile on this uh, because it really isn't real. Um, and I'm not real. And uh, but gosh, some days, you know, it's it's hard to wrap, wrap your head around that. So th thank you, Jim. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, Suzanne. Good morning. Afternoon. Hi, everybody. Elisa, thank you so much for mentioning that because um, that's, you know, bringing everything home to what we're seeing in the papers every day. So sometimes I open the book randomly and I've been feeling the same feelings. And I came across this this week and it says um, this day we realized that what you feared to lose was only loss. And I'm like, wow, what am I hanging on to? little fragments of this human being I think I am. I, and this book tells us we're so much more than that you know, in all kinds of different ways. So I read this week, um, the world I see holds nothing that I want. And we look at this world, it is like that. So that, that gave me some peace of mind. I just wanted to share that because I'm feeling the same way. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's quite clear that, you know, like when we are experiencing fear, of course, it's kind of a universal thing for everybody. When you're experiencing fear, we are not listening to the right teacher, you know, just carte blanche. That's one of those things that, of course, it doesn't, you know, it's just like we have not listened to the right teacher when we are experiencing fear. Anybody else? Okay. So. Thank God, tolerance for pain may be high, but it's not without limit. Um, 
Now, uh, hey, hey Jim. Uh huh. Um, when when you were reading that part, um, tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. And that phrase, a better way, um, I wonder if when uh, Helen Shookman and um, Bill Thetford were, you know, writing this the next morning, I wonder if uh, Bill Thetford saw that a better way, which answered in this paragraph, I don't know if it's before this paragraph at all, but when he saw that a better way, he, I wonder if that hit a light bulb in and he went, oh yeah, I did ask for a better way. Is this it? You know, like, um, I just wonder if he got really excited. Yeah. Well, you know, and I always think of that situation as like, here they are at Columbia University, the most prestigious, you know, uh, colleges in the world, you know, at the cutting edge of in the 1960s or at the cutting edge of everything when it was coming together and it's falling apart. Helen just told me that uh, that the the better way for Bill would have been if Jesus fixed Helen and Helen wasn't such a pain in the ass to Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, with that, before we get into healing as a release from fear, I'd like to actually just read a couple of sections or have somebody read for me uh, a couple of sections in the workbook. And then, um, which is uh, I Am the Light of the World uh, Workbook Lesson 61. And that is actually on page 102 of the workbook. I am the light of the world. And um, if, if somebody would, please, if they will, uh, would just read the, uh, the first two paragraphs of that section. And Peg, yeah, Rebecca, thank you. Okay. Lesson 61, I am the light of the world. Who is the light of the world except God's son? This then is merely a statement of truth about yourself. It is the opposite of a statement of pride, of arrogance or of self-deception. It does not describe the self-concept you have made. It does not refer to any of the characteristics with which you have endowed your idols. It refers to you as you were created by God. It simply states the truth. To the ego, today's idea is the epitome of self-glorification, but the ego does not understand humility, mistaking it for self-debasement. 
Humility consists of accepting your role in salvation and in taking no other. It is not humility to insist you cannot be the light of the world if that is the function God assigned to you. It is only arrogance that would assert this function cannot be for you. And arrogance is always of the ego. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, if we jump to the next lesson, lesson 62. And could I have a volunteer read the first three paragraphs of lesson 62, which is on page 104 of the workbook? Yeah, David, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Lesson 62. Forgiveness is my function as light of the world. It is your forgiveness that will bring the world of darkness to the light. It is your forgiveness that lets you recognize the light in which you see. Forgiveness is the demonstration that you are the light of the world. Through your forgiveness, does the truth about yourself return to your memory. Therefore, in your forgiveness lies your salvation. Illusions about yourself and the world are one. That is why all forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Your goal is to find out who you are, having denied your identity by attacking creation and its creator. Now you are learning how to remember the truth. For this attack must be replaced by forgiveness, so that thoughts of life may replace thoughts of death. Remember that in every attack you call upon your own weakness, while each time you forgive, you call upon the strength of Christ in you. Do not then begin to understand what forgiveness will do for you. It will remove all sense of weakness, strain, and fatigue from your mind. It will take away all fear and guilt and pain. It will resort to invulnerability. It will restore the invulnerability and power God gave his son to your awareness. Thank you, David. Below there, there's a little section in italics. Uh, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. I would fulfill my, my function that I may be happy. And then lesson 63, the first two paragraphs, if somebody would, thank you, Vicki. The light of the world brings peace to every mind through my forgiveness. How holy are you who have the power to bring peace to every mind? How blessed are you who can learn to recognize the means for letting this be done through you. What purpose could you have that would bring you greater happiness? You are indeed the light of the world which su with such a function. The Son of God looks to you for his redemption. It is yours to give him, for it belongs to you. 
accept no trivial purpose or meaningless desire in its place, or you will forget your function and leave the Son of God in hell. This is no idle request that is being asked of you. You are being asked to accept salvation that it may be yours to give. Did you want me to do the third paragraph too? The little, the, the little italics section below, if you would. Okay. The light of the world. The italicized, yeah, in paragraph three. Okay. Or you want me to read through that or just? Just if, yeah, if you'll just read that italicized portion, please. Okay. Yeah. The light of the world brings peace to every mind through my forgiveness. I am the means God has appointed for salvation of the world. Thank you. I was thinking about how much uh, uh, Jesus really hammers home, not just that forgiveness is our function, but it's not a drag. You will be happy if you check this out. <laughs> I swear, you got to try it. I mean, you're not going to have to die on the cross. You're not going to have to, you know, walk around beating your breast and fasting. And <laughs> you might want to do all that. But I mean, it's, it's not a drag. I mean, we're so identified with following God's will as a drag. That, he's, that all of these, it's like, you will be happy. You won't have greater happiness than doing this. It's like, I mean it. I, I really mean it. Just try it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the idea of sacrifice gets back to that, you know, that there, there's some sacrifice involved. It has to be. There's some trade-off here, right? I can't have everything for nothing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Lynn and then David. Uh, yeah, I was just uh, really struck by how it's addressing the thought that we have that for me to be happy, somebody has to sacrifice. I mean, I'm used to sacrificing myself so somebody else can be happy, but the reverse is also true. And so he's really saying that by my forgiveness, I am also setting everyone free. And that's such a that's just such a contradiction to what we believe deep inside. And I, I don't think I realized um, until just this moment how early, I mean, because my, my practice right now is really working with Ken's idea of making it about the other person. And it's taken me years to even be able to hear those words without freaking out completely. But here he's, he's telling me in the very, very beginning that my salvation is the salvation of the world. I mean, that is just, wow. And even if I couldn't accept it at the time, you know, it was just like this idea, it was planted in my, in my awareness. And it's, it's something that gets built on through the course. So these ideas are, are really, um, it's a moment we've opened the book, they, these ideas are working in us without our even really being aware of it. And I'm so, so grateful today. Thanks. Yeah. And I can, I can still remember, like Tim mentioned, like, this is easy. This is really going to be easy, you know, because I'm all girded up for some kind of sacrifice. And this is really going to be easy for you to do this, practice this. Yeah. And, yes, and then we'll have, uh, I just uh, wanted to Karen, say, we'll get you in just to go ahead, Lynn. Yeah. I just wanted to sort of relate this to the, the stuff with Ukraine and the political situation and everything, it, 
it's a reminder that we have a choice to make those things real to us and mm. and keep salvation by making you know it's it's like can we trust that there is another way to look at this and that way undoes what we're perpetuating by making it real and that doesn't mean to to not be aware of our feelings or the um the the people that are involved to and to do whatever we're led to do but just keep on remembering that it's a projection from our belief that god is absent and uh, so thanks yeah thank you and then david and then karen yeah it's just becoming so apparent to me that it's the sacrifice that i don't want to give up i want to be sacrificed i want to be the victim i i don't know how to let go of that and that's the part that is so hard to let go of and you know before when lisa was saying we're so afraid of dying i don't think we are <laughs> i think that's exactly what we want what we're afraid of is waking up to eternity that's what really scares us and you know it's becoming so apparent little things like the other day there was something going on and I was blaming it on being tired or whatever. But the excuse was, the truth was, I didn't want to give up my little world that I created to be a certain way. And there was an interruption in that. And it rocked my world because I, and it was stupid, but it didn't matter until I was able to step back from it and see what it really was. It was, this is my creation and somebody's messing with it. This is my world and somebody's messing with it. And really came down to that. And it was the day that we did lesson 63. And I struggled with that lesson in the morning so hard. And it took me working on it all through the day. So <laughs> the world is in my mind. I got to straighten it out in my mind. You know, it's got nothing to do with what's going on outside of me. It's got what's going on, that resistance that's inside of me. And it comes back to that very first part of chapter two that says that I'm going to miscreate God's creation. I am going to do this, you know, and it's not that anybody's perfect, especially not me. And I'm doing everything I can to not see that. And so, yeah. yeah, these lessons the last couple of days have been just, for me, have been like, yeah. awesome, you know, because I'm starting to pay attention to all this little, everything needs to be forgiven because everything is a thought about this world to keep me away from God. It's just crazy. Now I can just catch the ones I can catch. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And David, I think particularly about that, like, you you know, that, that part of the course that says your real fear is your fear of redemption, like what you just said. Yeah, that's really your fear. Yeah. Karen? You're on mute, Karen. You're on mute. Oh. Yeah, that's better. Okay, let me start all over. Can you hear me now? Okay. I was struck by the sentence, the son of God looks to you for his redemption. I have never considered or thought or been aware of the interdependence of atonement. 
and that one's redemption might be beneficial to God. I don't know if you have any more to say about that. Can somebody in the community uh, have anything there? I was wondering if, if she could say the question again. I think yeah, one more time, please, Karen. Sure. So I was struck by the sentence, the son of God looks to you for his redemption. It had never occurred to me that there, if I'm reading this correctly or thinking about it correctly, that there is an interdependence of atonement and that one's atonement can be beneficial to God. Is that correct thinking? I've never considered that before. Never dawned on me. Never, never occurred to me. Well, I think particularly one thing that I think of is it's, it's you know, we all go or, or nothing, you know. Uh, I keep thinking of that, that it, it, it's atonement is a, is, a, is a totality. It's a totality, you know, we, we all go. Yeah. Yeah, and that there there would be interdependence in that, obviously. If you think of Lynn or Tim, you guys think of anything with along those lines? Well, in terms of uh, <laughs> there is such a thing, strict metaphysics. I mean, God doesn't even know we're here, so you know, atonement's not really beneficial to God. It's beneficial to us because it helps us wake up that we didn't leave heaven. So. I mean, that's kind of the metaphysics of it all. Um, and the reason the Son of God is looking for us for his redemption is because we're the ones that condemn the Son of God in the first place. We're the ones that have to stop condemning him. That's what redemption is. I have to stop pointing the finger at you, at me, and saying we're not the Son of God. So atonement is just waking up to we are the Son of God <laughs> and stop trying to insist we're not especially the other guy, whoever we're at war with in form. You know, the, the, the real war, quote unquote, <laughs> compared to the real world, the real war is, is the internal war. All this stuff out here is just a distraction from the real war. That's all made up to begin with. We're the ones that made up the war against ourselves, chapter 23 again, and then the Son of God looks to us for his redemption. There ain't no war. We're still okay. We're still the son of God. But every like like Dave Dempsey was saying in today's lesson, every little thought we have is insisting we're not the son of God. I mean, it doesn't look like that, but that I mean, if, when we're in ego mode, whatever we're thinking about anything is insisting we're not the son of God. That's how crazy this stuff is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suzanne, Suzanne yeah. and Jean. <laughs> so just along those same lines, and the, the um, state of the world is a reflection, a projection, right, of that inner battle that we're having. So we're seeing it all played out in front of us collectively. So to, I think what Karen was looking at, like, so collectively, if we have a, a you know, change that mindset to a love and forgiveness, then that will be projected. And it needs that matrix of us all, because we share one mind, to then project a new a new heaven and a new earth, which is very exciting. Yeah, Jean, please. Thank you. 
You know, and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking of the word, you know, beneficial, which is such a, a word of duality. But to me, you know, all the steps we're taking here create that immersion with the Christ consciousness then, which is really our steps here, you know, because then the whole space of, of God, it, it doesn't even become a question anymore, but, but, but we do have, I mean, there's so many steps in this. As we read these three lessons, Jim, I saw that, you know, like going through fear and then the forgiveness reveals that. And then there was a part in which it talked about like, you know, all fatigue, all draining, all will just fall away. You know, so that's in, in all of this for us, you know, this whole path of this, it's, it's, it is very, it's just amazing. And yet it's, it's, it's work. It's, I, I think about that. It's like, this is work. <laughs> and yet it's telling us it's not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jean. Yeah. And Bruce. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, I, I was just um, listening to the conversation and glancing at the poster um, on Vicky's wall with John Lennon, Yoko and the war is over. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, and that's really true. I mean, that, that, may, that actually kind of goes way beyond probably what, what they were thinking uh, on, on the you know, level of form, I'm guessing. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, as, as Tim was saying, it's in truth, the conflict never happened. But whenever we see war outside, we need to keep bringing it back inside and say, okay, what, what war am I still fighting in my mind? And use every single little specifics of every annoyance, irritation, upset of whatever seeming magnitude and just say, that's my classroom. That's my forgiveness classroom, moment to moment to moment. Yeah, thanks. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, how are you sure you're having the right experience? Well, it's the one you're having. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Lisa. Oh, I just want to say thanks, Bruce. That is an excellent reminder, you know, to bring it back inside because that's exactly what needs to be healed. It's, you know, we have that mirror that's just reflecting back to us. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. Great question, Karen. Does that help? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Lynn Corona's waving. Oh, go ahead, Lynn. With these uh, lessons um, this morning, in, in the whole series, you know, I'm the light of the world and forgiveness is my function. And then getting that forgiveness is my only function. And if I have a problem or an issue anywhere, the only problem is I haven't forgiven. Um, and it seems like, um, as, as I look out with the Holy Spirit, who's my teacher of, of forgiveness, I discover that forgiveness does nothing, right? This forgiveness simply looks, judges not, watches and waits. And I realize that forgiveness is absolutely a natural, effortless state of stillness. And I either have a choice of forgiveness or the ego. 
That's it. You know, it's one or the other. I am either in a forgiving state of mind where I am the observer, the un uninvolved observer. I'm watching with, with the truth. I'm watching with the mind that's not reacting to a world out there <clears throat> that doesn't even exist. So it's always one or the other and learning to stay in that that state of, of forgiveness is, is really blessing the world. It's blessing myself and it's blessing the world. And it is the alternative uh, to, to, to Karen's question. Um, the Son of God looks to me for redemption. That's the state that is the, the, the better way, so to speak. As long as we're here in bodies, the better way is the forgiving, the, the gentle way of walking through the dream with forgiveness, with the Holy Spirit as my teacher and doing nothing but learning to see simply what's there without any judgment, any evaluation, any interpretation. And it just falls away. And, and what's becoming stronger and stronger in us is that state of mind where we're literally blessing ourselves and, 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 and blessing the world. And it is the alternative. It is showing my brother, there's another way. When we get all caught up in things, we're certainly not demonstrating to ourselves or anyone else that there's a better way. And, and that just became so clear during these very powerful lessons. It's all right there in those lessons. Of course, we say that about all the lessons, but it's all right there in these lessons on forgiveness. It's so beautiful. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for the question, Karen, too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. <clears throat> and I think of uh, you know, something that Jesus originally said, and I heard it through Ken Wapnick's discussion is, you know, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing about uh, one way or the other, you know, it's very simple. Uh, the way you the way you learn truth, this is what Jesus said that Ken Wapnick reiterated. The way you learn truth is you undo error <clears throat> by not believing in it. Mm. <laughs> Vicky Thank you. had something. Um, I, I was actually surprised by um, one of the, uh, I think it was Lisa's, um, said that Putin has enough nuclear power to get rid of Washington, D.C. I'd be surprised if that's all he has. But I think that conversation between uh, Kenny, Kenneth Wapnick, Kenny, my bud, um, somebody asked him about the nuclear power, you know, that we had the whole world had like 4,000 tons. I can't remember the number. Um, they, oh, they were able to blow up the world 4,000 times. And this one woman said to Kenneth Wapnick that, well, I won't be happy until we can blow it up 4,001 times. And it's just, a, it's such a ridiculous concept. Um, but um, one thing I try and remember when my friends are getting all freaked out about this war, Putin really thinks he's Putin. But he has to have a right mind, just like the rest of us. 
And uh, who, how do we know he's not studying the Course in Miracles in the background? Yeah, thank you. I, I think of, you know, that lesson in, in my defense, in my defenselessness, my safety lies, you know. <clears throat> yeah, Bruce? Uh, earlier when the word defense came up, I was thinking, you know, the, the, the conversation about, you know, Holy Spirit's use of defense. Well, the only thing that can actually work for an effective defense is pure non-duality. And anything other than that <laughs> needs some kind of defense. Uh, and if we, and the Holy Spirit keeps leading us to remember that if I forgive my projections, I'm working my mind back to that state of non-duality by forgiving what never happened, what seems to have split the one son of God into all these little fragments that seem to think they're individuals, including the self that I most of the time think I am. <laughs> but if I want to truly be defenseless and have the best defense, I have to, to be willing to for, keep forgiving consistently. And at some point, I will see <clears throat> that that pure non-dual uh, perspective transcends the need for defending anything, because if, if there's just one thing, what's there to defend against? Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think of uh, what is the, the, you know, like I could only be hurting myself and I can only be blessing myself. You know, there's just one. <clears throat> Beverly, uh, Beverly Hutchinson at the Miracle Foundation, she recently, I think it's Edwin Starr's song, War, What Is It Good For? I mean, that's, a, that's the question Jesus wants us to ask about everything, including war. What's it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> What's it good for? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, in, in form, we're at war with everything. Life has to eat life in order to stay alive. I mean, yeah, we're all Pac-Men. I mean, we're at war with the celery. We're at war with the carrots. I mean, from their point of view. I mean, life has to eat life. It's at war with itself all the time in order to keep going. That's horrible. <laughs> what loving father would make a world like that? Well, he didn't. That's why it's good for absolutely nothing. It's all just a distraction from the real war, the internal war. So I keep making all these dictators out there. I mean, certainly to the celery and to the carrots, we must seem like the dictators that are coming along gobbling them up. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we, we've always got to find dictators out there in the world. But in, internally, we have to prop up the dictator. We have to preserve the statushood of, of the ego as our dictator. Rule supreme. And it's at constantly at war with God. Not, not just the world was made as an attack on God. The wrong mind, the ego was made as an attack on God. It has to continuously be at war with God in order to maintain itself. But what's it good for? Absolutely nothing. It doesn't change anything. War out here doesn't change anything. It just keeps going. <laughs> Internal war doesn't change anything. We're still the son of God. But I mean, that, that's kind of like the steps of forgiveness is moving back to that awareness. It's not the dictators out there driving me crazy. It's not the internal dictator at war with myself. That's, it's just all made up. And then what makes it easy and not hard is I don't even have to 
make myself believe all this stuff. I just have to ask Jesus for help to see it. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Lynn Altman and then Sally. Yeah, as you were talking, Tim, I was just realizing what's what's so difficult about um, the process that the Course asks us to, to go through is we want the war to be out there. We don't want to know that we're making it up inside ourselves. And, mm. and it's, it's the pain for me has been, you know, each step of bringing it back into myself and my mind, because I don't, you know, it's like I, I've spent a lifetime of, of pretending and, and trying to make everybody think that I'm the innocent one and the evil is out there. So coming back to recognize that, that I'm the perpetrator that's the first step. And then the second is to realize that that identification is, is incorrect. I'm the son of God, but you can't get to the son of God until you realize that you've taken on the role of sinner. And it's, it, is, it is challenging to, uh, to go from the face of innocence to recognizing what we're actually doing or think we're doing. I mean, we're not even really doing we're in heaven, but we think we are doing this. So just to be aware that there's the step of recognizing that we're instigating this war and yet we're not because the Son of God can't. The Son of God is, is ever a part of the Father and there's only one. There aren't the two of them to go to war. So thanks. Thanks, Lynn. Sally? Oh, um, Vicki's sign reminded me, uh, you know, when I first saw it behind her, I, is war over? I said, no. But the sign should say, um, is your war over? Um, and I guess every time we don't forgive, we need to uh, put Vicki's sign in our mind and say, is your war over? Yeah, is it? Thanks. That's a great sign, Vicki. Don't put it away. <laughs> I always, I always introduced uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono to people that don't know me. Those are my parents, I don't. <laughs> and at the bottom of the sign, very small, it says, the war is, war is over if you want it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, this is a great time now to you know, our next topic, of course, which is healing as release from fear. <clears throat> so that's, that's section four. Um, and uh, if we jump down to, uh, got to get back to my place. Okay, four, and then uh, it's just gonna go into uh, healing as a release from fear. So it's great for great timing. Um, our emphasis is now on healing. The miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and healing is the result. So, um, 
to undertake this, it says, jumping down to sentence eight, to undertake this, you cannot be fearful yourself. So you 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 won't be you won't be you know able to assist the Holy Spirit until you know until your fears can be addressed, which kind of reminds me of you know don't skip steps, just walk through. I think it was Abby talked a little bit about a couple of about a month ago about that you know deal with deal with kind of all the fear and ugliness because you know just that it's helpful not to sidestep that you know just just kind of like deal with deal with that you know um a major step in the atonement plan is to undo undo error at all levels sickness or not right-mindedness is the result of level confusion because it always entails a belief that what is amiss on one level can adversely affect another. We have referred to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion for all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur. Only the mind is capable of error. The body can act wrongly only when it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create in the belief that it can The body, can, the, the body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error produces all physical symptoms. Symptoms. So um, just kind of a, a warning. I have a, a like a, my internet connection is, is a, a unstable, and every now and then I kind of lose people, usually just for a couple of seconds. But if that happens, just, just uh, please understand. Um, so you cannot understand healing because it is your own fear in sentence nine. You do not understand healing because of your own fear, because of your own fear, sentence nine in that same paragraph. Um, skipping down to paragraph two, uh, major step in the atonement plan is to undo, undo error at all levels. And as we just, as we just said, I'm sorry, repeat, sickness or not right-mindedness, sickness or not right-mindedness is the result of level confusion. So paragraph four will explain that fear produces a weakened state And that all material means that you accept as remedies for body's ills are restatement of magic principles. And we, we dealt with magic a lot, re, you know, lately talking about magic. Um, it is a second misstep, jumping down to sentence three. It is a second misstep to attempt to heal it through non-creative agents. It does not follow, however, that the use of such agents for corrective purposes is evil. So if you... If you need if you need an aspirin or an Advil, take an aspirin or an Advil, and that will certainly help if that's if that's causing fear or anxiety, you know, or a breath of air, right? Yeah, or a breath of air, right? <laughs> so fear produces a weakened state, and then one thing I got out of paragraph five was. Um, Capable now, 
So the value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. In fact, it is used truly. It will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver. This means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in a language that the recipient can understand without fear. This does not necessarily mean that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication, not to lower it by increasing fear. So if that's, if that's helpful. So, that's, uh, that's healing as release from fear. Um, I, I found that to be a really good rule of thumb when, I'm, when I think I'm on a crusade for Jesus, you know, and I want to go tell somebody the world isn't real or the war isn't real. And, and, and all it's doing is, it's in, not just increasing the other guy's fear, just me insisting on it is increasing my own fear. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm at all leery about anything I want to say, then I probably just should keep my mouth shut. <laughs> if I'm not sure this is, this is the principle, this is the boilerplate, this is, I know this is truth. If I'm a little iffy about it, I should just be quiet <laughs> and, and pay attention. <laughs> Atonement is the principle. Atonement is the rule. The rules of engagement are the atonement. <laughs> it's, it's a military term. How do, how do we conduct this war? What are the rules of engagement? Well, for Jesus, it's the atonement. Nothing happens, so you don't even have to do the war. <laughs> That's the rule of engagement. Just don't engage in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could skip the war if you like. <clears throat> Thanks, Tim. Dave, David. That last paragraph, <clears throat> excuse me, am I understanding it correctly? That in this place of time and space that we think we are, rather than just telling somebody it's not real, it's empathy, be kind and gentle with whatever they're going through. Is, am I reading that correctly? I think that, yeah, to match your, to match whoever, you know, whoever your teacher learner is at the time. Right. I would think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I can see it in them, I believe in it's possible for me too, but until that point of atonement is reached, just be kind and gentle with whatever we're going through, I guess, is we're all fighting our own hard battle. I guess that's what it's telling us, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I saw there. But okay, thank you, because I just want to make sure I had it correct. Anybody else? Anything? Yeah, Christina. Christina and then Vicki. Um, well, I have a bigger thing to share about the COVID, but I think I'll share it another time. But I wanted to, to just kind of tune in to uh, the last paragraph there where um, Dave was just talking to where it just says that statement five. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. 
I think that's very helpful. Thank you. And then, and then Jean. And then Vicki following him up, I think would help me too Vicky. in that um, was the whole aim of the miracles to raise the level of communication that I can allow it then not, you know, if, because if I'm just where I am now and I can't get beyond that, you know, and not to increase the fear, you know, because the communication will come if I, but I have to be where I am now. That was so helpful today because, you know, sometimes I judge that I should be further along and then I don't allow the communication from the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm sorry, did I miss anybody? There's a, a rule, a rule of engagement in, in Al-Anon that you don't have to engage in every battle you're invited to. <laughs> you don't have to get, you don't have to join every fight that you're invited to go to. <laughs> it's kind of, that's good. I like that. It certainly applies here. <laughs> I don't have to engage in every argument that comes along. <laughs> Yeah, you can leave your sword in your scabbard. Anybody else? Okay, um, so I would like to finish um, with a uh, uh, a uh, in the manual for teachers, which is section eighteen. That's on page 47 of the, of the manual for teachers. Just our like finishing thought. We can have a brief moment to meditate. <clears throat> How is correction made? That's 18 in the manual for teachers. <clears throat> and correction of lasting nature and only this is true correction cannot be made until the teacher of God has ceased to confuse interpretation with fact or illusion with truth. If he argues with his people about a magic thought, attacks it, tries to establish its error or demonstrate its falsity, he is but witnessing to the reality. Depression is then inevitable for he has proved both to his pupil and himself that it is their task to escape from what is real. <clears throat> and this can only be impossible. Reality has changed us. Magic thoughts are but illusions. Otherwise, salvation would be only the same age-old impossible dream in but another form. Yet the dream of salvation has new content. It is not the form alone in which the difference lies. new content. And then if I could have a volunteer down below paragraph three down below there, there's an italicized section. If somebody could conclude by reading that italicized section, page 47 of the manual at the bottom. Lisa had her hand up. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. 
You but mistake interpretation for the truth, and you are wrong. But a mistake is not a sin, nor has reality been taken from its throne by your mistakes. God reigns forever, and his laws alone prevail upon you and upon the world. His love remains the only thing there is. Fear is illusion, for you are like him. Thank you, Lisa. We'll just be quiet for a minute. and gently come back. Thank you all for being present, such contribution, it's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, 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 Jim. Thanks,